Okay, yo, 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 Jesus. Welcome to episode 12. Oh, shit, this is 12 episodes already of Killinois with Bird and Cam. This is your boy Bird, always with me, Cam. And we got a special guest in the building. We got a special guest. How am I even going to do this intro? He's looking at me right now. He's like, don't you? Well, you gotta, you gotta let everyone know that he's from UIS, so everyone knows that he represents you is or you ain't. Um, I wish I wasn't, but uh, well, we're obviously gonna have to have a name. So you, 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 you do your thing. Yeah, you, yeah, you do your. Oh, me? I got it in. Tr- oh, fuck it. Okay. You're better at it than I am. I'm just here to look I good and make funny the- comments. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, that case. This is my this is my brother from another mother. Uh, what more can I say about him? He is one of the many shines to my quarry. Uh, the man with the pants. Shut up, Maggle. My guy, Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. And, and I have to say, and I have to say, we're doing. Um, we're all on. Uh, not doing Skype. We're doing Facebook call. I'm look. He's got a beard. I've known him almost a decade. He finally grew a beard. So I'm just so proud of him right now. Oh man, that's. He's the first person I met in college. Oh, Cam, such good memories. It all started. Right. I thought I was crazy, and just to find out you were equally as crazy is probably the best thing I ever found out. I'll never forget come, coming coming downstairs to your dorm room because we had that Greek myths and gods class together. Oh yes, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was that was, that was a good time freshman year. But what's up, Illinois podcast listeners? Shout out to everybody that's uh, listening to this. Um, shout out to Bird and Cam. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I'm super duper excited. Oh, always near and dear to me, and uh, you two are near and dear to me as well. Oh, always. Um, when we uh, when we were when I was doing the research for the story that we're going to be doing tonight, you know, I, in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, what, some way, shape, or form. I gotta have Maggle on here because I remember when we watched, you know, the documentary of uh, Ben Wilson together when it first aired. Was it about five, six years ago? And I remember like we, especially from us coming from Chicago and like being in that area and like growing up in that environment, like that really kind of affected us and stuff. So like I just knew, so, like I gotta get, gotta get Maggle on here and here in live and living color. Wait. You can't just sit here and give say his nickname and not tell us why his name is fucking Maggle. Nickname Maggle. Maggle. Uh, see, that's the thing. It's an inside joke. Okay, so there. Explain it to us. Okay, well, I'm gonna explain to our, explain to our uh, devoted audience. So we are huge wrestling fans, me and Mike, and there is a announcer by the name of Michael Cole, and of course Mike's cameras off while this happens, and. He um he has a broadcast partner named JBL and JBL is from Texas so he has his, his southern draws is way out there so when the match is over he goes ball game Maggle ain't gonna go in there Maggle out there and it just came it was his natural so like that's how we got the Maggle from Maggle Maggle yeah, there we go there we go you still there with us buddy I saw the cameras off like, yeah yeah you might come back to us he likes oh are you did I hear yeah. Yeah, they said the camera is off. So, folks, we're doing we're doing a little uh, reverberation from the norm. So, we usually do it from Skype or Audacity, but we're doing this from Facebook group calls. So, uh, all bets are off. You know, somebody might get uh, disconnected. Huh? No, it's not. If they're all on, you guys have terrible connection. 
Yeah. That's yeah. y'all, not me. We good. It's Chicago. Oh, turn off your wife, honey. I'm turn going. off the lights. I'm looking for her. Oh. Touching my camera. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So let's get back to this. Shut up, Mike. Let's get back to this, this, this story. Yeah. You guys have a very good connection with it. Um, I'm really excited, actually. I've heard bits and pieces of this story. I haven't really gone into as much depth as you guys. I haven't seen the 30 for 30 yet. But I have a really good friend. His name's Thornton. Love him. Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Huge basketball dude. Oh, yeah. So he, he, um. Does he, he go in the gas station? No. You know what I asked him that for? No. But we could probably work something out. <laughs> but, uh, he's got a lot of, uh, he's watched this, uh, 30 for 30, and he's given a lot of information about it, which is mm-hmm. cool to hear. I mean, it's not cool to hear. It's crazy, but going to be a good story. Yeah, and okay. um, before we get into it, Cam, as always, can you give our uh, good people the disclaimer, you know? Alrighty, okay. audience, again, uh, first off, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we want to thank the people that kind of reach out to us and give us, you know, new facts, new information about stories we have. Um, but nonetheless, what we're here to do, Bird and I, and Maggle, who's joining today, is we're here to just report and state the facts that we learn if we do anything incorrectly or if you guys have any information or if anything offends you know the witness the victim or even the offender please let us know hit us up uh, at gmail uh killinois at gmail.com or excuse me killinois podcast don't forget the podcast part yeah at gmail.com um you can hit us up on instagram we're actually very very uh we're really active on social media, so hit us up on Instagram, there which is Illinois Podcast, um, Illinois with Bird and Cam. But most importantly, hit us up on Facebook. That's where we're really spreading the word, and that's Illinois mm-hmm. with Bird and Cam. So any extra facts you guys have, anything that we say incorrectly, um, or anything you just want to tell us, let us know. Um, and we have our own Instagram. So I'm Instacam630. Love more followers. I'm currently at 666. Oh, man. So, that's about right. <laughs> I need at least one more follower. That would be awesome. Oh, boy. And <laughs> I am Bird Your Enthusiasm. And, and uh, my numbers ain't looking too hot, man. So, like, help help a brother out in need. And uh, that said, you ready to do the damn thing? I'm ready to do the damn thing. Maggle, you ready to get this show on the road? Hey man, I've been ready since day one. Yeah, shut up. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why do you think so <laughs> Anyway, in that case, uh, we stole the story about Benjamin Benji Wilson, and who was born on March eighteenth, nineteen sixty-seven. One of three children born to Ben Wilson Senior and Mary, and was raised in the Chatham neighborhood on Chicago's South Side. Wilson began playing basketball at an early age, starting in elementary school. He started at St. Dorothy School and later transferred to Ruggles Elementary School, graduating in 1981. And Wilson practiced uh, in Cole Park in Chatham and participated in various summer league games in Chicago. And when I was doing the research, uh, Cole Park really stood out to me um, as me and my brother who's sitting right next to me. We grew up just two blocks away of Cole Park. And I used to play, you know, my brothers, those basketball courts, uh, my uncle, my cousins, you know, they played those same courts that Benji Wilson used to play on. So, I mean, this really, you know, it's really just a, it's really amazing to think about that fact. 
And I remember hearing stories from a lot of old heads back in the day about what it was like to play him, such as one of my old high school teachers, Mr. Ville. Shout out, Mr. Ville. And His name is Mr. Ville. Mr. Ville. Yeah. <laughs> Your dick. I love Ville. 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 And Wilson was part of the Dynasty Club youth basketball team and a notorious Ida B. Wells. Hey, oh, my God. And notorious Ida B. Wells housing projects. And according to Dynasty teammate R. Kelly, yes, the Pied Piper of R&B, cult sex leader, and predator extraordinaire, he would crawl playing in those courts. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, God. You can't just introduce R. Kelly like that, all right? You're going to put some respect right? on his name. Right? We give him some respect. Oh, stop Dang. it. Stop it. No. You know, you, 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 you know, you're just terrible. You know that? Just terrible. Look, Stephen A. I ain't calling you to be doing. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Anyway, according to R. Kelly, who used to play with Benji as kids, I always wanted to make people want to think that I was going to shoot the ball and I would do this crazy magical pass and Ben would just love it. And I just felt like it would keep us out of trouble. And the- That's a really extended statement. <laughs> yeah. That's a really extended statement. Yeah, chaos. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just I, I don't think the magical pass... That's what he said. I said, well, you want me to sing it? No. <laughs> it's like, you say he dripped anything, but. <laughs> so. And, interesting point of words. Yeah. Hey, quote unquote, we can find this. Um, in the fall of 1981, he began his freshman year in Simeon. And during the 1982 and 83 season, Wilson was the only sophomore on the varsity basketball team. And while he was in his formative years in Simeon, Wilson would have a growth sport spurt where he would eventually grow to a six foot eight slash guard four. God damn. Yeah. I had a growth spurt in high school. It was terrible. I went from like five two to where oh, I was like, man. sucks. I know, I know. And like I'm not even like tall in my family. You should see my cousins. <laughs> They're like six something. It's great. We all have Amazon lights. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I come from a very small family. <laughs> Anyways, back to the story. Back to Benji. Um, we fast forward to 1984. And before we even start anything, let's give a little bit of a backdrop of Chicago in that year. You had Mayor Harold Washington going to his second year as the first black mayor in the city. You had a talk show starting up, starting in ousted former newscaster, which we call today the Oprah Winfrey Show. She's also got her own channel now, too. You had Jesse Jackson starting out his bid to become president. Man, you know, I wish he became president. I wish he became But anyways, back to our homies, our favorite, the Cubs. They made their playoffs for the first time since the Billy Goat riddled them in the 1945 World Series. And that ended a 39-year drought. You had the Chicago Bulls picking up the year's NBA uh, NBA draft, a six foot six inch guard from North Carolina. And can you guys guess what his name was? Sam Bowie. Close. Um, John Stockton. Nope, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Gotcha. Mm. That's my favorite. He's my favorite. Mm. He's I think that turned out right. Yeah. So. We, we could say at the time, this was a pretty good time during during uh, Chicago, Chicago life. 
um, in a good time in the city's history. But one big thing that was going on that was really prevalent throughout the country was the crack crisis. And not, I'm not talking about the butt crack crisis. Oh, um, I have those issues sometimes. Hi. Yeah, I hate seeing, I hate, hate seeing fat people in their butt cracks. Like, I don't mean to be that person, but like, <laughs> It's just, it's just, they're usually hairy, and I just, I can't mm-hmm. look away. Well, don't come around me, Cam, because you're going to see a big, fat, black, hairy butt crack. <laughs> Kevin Noy, folks. Thanks for the warning. But by the time Ben Wilson was entering high school, the nationwide crack, ep- nationwide crack epidemic was in full swing. And some of the people closest to him including his older brother, Curtis Glenn, they all became addicted. And as a correlation of some sorts, Chicago's violent crime rate was very, very high during this time as well, especially in the South Side where Wilson grew up. And to give you an idea of how crazy the murder rate in Chicago was in that era, from 1981 to 1983, the murder rate in the city was 877, 670, and seven. 129 respective respectively um okay it's a little different today but back then it was completely different so as his game developed well rock paper scissors for it okay okay wait wait are we doing shoot ah we know i never do shoot we'll do shoot fuck okay okay Rock, paper, scissors. That's what you get. I got I got yeah, I got it. Okay. So as his game developed, friends and family surrounding Wilson began to notice that his talent can take him can make him one of the best, if not the best players in the sport. And he made it a point to protect Wilson from trouble as he got older. Um there was one instance in the documentary that we were doing the research on that Curtis Glenn, his brother, said that really illustrated this point after Benji and his teammates had gotten a run in with the local gang. As Glenn told the story, Benji called him one night and said, We're having problems with a gang and they're gonna be waiting for us outside at Simeon's gym. So Glenn and his associates rolled up and pulled through the gym in four loads of cars. We came out, Benji gave us high fives, Glenn remembered, and the little gangbangers were looking at, like, who are these old cats looking for? They didn't come back for at least the rest of the season. And by the beginning of his junior year, Benji Wilson was becoming one of the city's most talked about high school players. As Scoop Jackson, respected basketball journalist, said in a documentary 30 for 30, by the time it got to his junior year, that's when everything exploded to the point of, all right, you got to go to Simeon to see this kid. Things are getting big. Um, but in 1983, the 84th season, Simeon would win the city championship for the first time in the school history. They then advanced to the Illinois AA state championship, which was held at uh, at Assembly Hall on campus of U of I, Champaign. That's the real University of Illinois. Fuck you, I University of Illinois, Champaign. Um, our... our uh, our older brother brands, we'll say. Uh-huh. Um, but we're the Michelle. Was... That's Beyonce. No, we're not Sloan. Oh, hey, we're <laughs> definitely Michelle. Yeah. Okay, so, so check it out. They get they you they get Obama. We get Jay Leno. Yeah, you, you, so so you are by Champagne Urbana. It's definitely Beyonce, and then Chicago is Kelly. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely Michelle. Mm-hmm. But, like, didn't, I thought Kelly died, or was that Michelle who died? No! Yeah, what? Died. <laughs> what are you talking about? What am I thinking of? What? Um, TLC. Yeah! Oh, uh, not not all black groups are all what, what to say. Okay, well, one of them that Beyonce was with, I thought died. Uh, we should probably watching Dreamgirls or something. I'm sorry, I'm not focused on Bay. I'm focused on her husband and all the ridiculous fucking oh. camera angles he has. So anyway, back to the story. Behind Wilson's 21 points, Simeon defeated West Aurora High School and future NBA player Kenny battled by nine points in the semifinals. On March 21st, 1984, despite being in foul trouble for much of the game, Wilson led Simeon to a 53-47 victory over top-ranked Eviston Township High School, who only lost one time that season to win their first ever state title. And ESPN regarded Wilson as the best junior in the country for the year of 1983-1984. And in July, Wilson attended the invitation-only Athletes for Better Education Camp in Princeton, New Jersey. The camp allowed scouts and coaches to watch top high school prospects in a single location. After that week-long event, Wilson was ranked the number one high school player in America, the first of his kind in Chicago to ever do that. And as his senior season approached, it was believed that Wilson was considering scholarship offers from the University of Illinois, not UIS, the University of Illinois, the school that matters. Oh, wow. Oh, no, no. UIS matters. Shut the fuck up. It was great. I had a good time. <laughs> orange and blue. Leadership lift. And, 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 and gold metallic. <laughs> um, it's now white and blue, and I think we're past the angry stars. We're Cosmo now. Wait. Uh, no, we're not even Cosmo. We're, we're yeah. Uh, um, it's, uh, what is that thing called? That Greek god thing called? What is it called? Yeah, I, don't say I want to say Trojan. Checkers or something like Tro- that. <laughs> Damn, you would say Trojan. <laughs> but I don't think that's it. <laughs> Whatever, it's not the angry stars anymore. So no. Make fun of our so, so to give you guys an idea of just how good Ben Wilson, the basketball player, was, the player profile of a six foot eight guard forward was heavily compared to the preeminent basketball of his era, Magic Johnson, for his rare superior size in a position that was generally reserved for smaller players. And of his ability to be a four general and make the other players around him better. In fact, many experts who scouted Wilson claimed that he was Magic Johnson only with a better jump shot. Uh, as Jackson Jackson paraphrased in the 30 for 30 documentary, Benji Wilson was pretty much a made man in Chicago at that point. On the same spirit as Harold Washington, Walter Payton. And also, guys, you have to understand that this was a time where Michael Jordan's rookie season did not even start. So you lived in an era where Benji Wilson was bigger in name in that brief period than Michael Jordan was. That's not really much of a far-fetched statement to make. And this is this is like when basketball exploded. This is when mm-hmm. it was huge, huge across America. Um, this is before really there was a leader in basketball, I guess you can say, or mm-hmm. you know, everyone's got the OG God. So yeah. My dog just ran off me. Shout out to Doug. But um, back to what we're talking about with Benji. Um, The team entered the fall of 1984 looking to repeat as state champions. And they were to have their season opener on November 21st versus King High School. 
The day before, on November 20th, 1984, Wilson was with his girlfriend, and she was the mother of his infant son. Is it Juden? Uh, Jeton Rush. That was Jeton, the girlfriend, girlfriend's name. Jeton there Rush. There we go. There we go. Um, teammates, classmates, and friends described that Wilson was furious at Rush because he perceived that she wasn't spending enough time with him. And as a direct result, he wasn't able to spend time with his son. Teammate David Knight asked Wilson where he was going as they and other teammates had planned to have lunch together. And to which Wilson replied he was taking Rush to the bus stop. And then the next thing you know, two gunshots erupt in the air. Terry Sampson, a teammate, recalls what happened next. Someone down the street said, yo, T. Sampson, your boy got shot. My boy? Who? Ben Wilson. So Samson and Irvin Small, another teammate, rushed to the scene. When I got down there, I saw my boy down by the fence, and he was gasping for air, Small, remember? Samson then said he looked like he got the breath knocked out of him, and he was trying to nod as if to say, yeah, I'm good. I looked over his hand, and I saw a small hole by the waist and by the groin area. It would be some time before the ambulance would arrive and pick up Wilson, and he was transported to St. Bernard Hospital, about three or so miles to where he was shot. And St. Bernard Hospital at that time had no trauma unit or no trauma surgeons on duty. But city policy dictated that in an event like this, the patient had to be sent to the nearest hospital. Fun fact. Fun yeah. fact. My auntie worked at St. Bernard Hospital mm-hmm. when this happened. Really? Uh, was she there? I don't know if Monty Dana was there or not, but she definitely worked at St. Bernard Hospital. She oh, worked at a bunch of different hospitals in Chicago. Wow. Was she a nurse? Was she a doctor? What she doing? She's a nurse. She's a nurse. She's, no way. She, yeah, yeah. She, she's been a nurse for years and years and years. I'd love to hear some of her stories. Oh, my God. Uh, St. Bernard was a trash hospital. Oh, yeah. And I know when Claude, when Claude, uh, shout out to Claude, one of our uh, ardent listeners, when he hears St. Bernard Hospital, oh, he's going to be salivating at the bit. How many motherfuckers at St. Bernard Hospital? Oh, yeah. It's just, it has a very bad reputation. I mean, you can go, you guys can go on Yelp right now, type in St. Bernard. You'll see that review is like 1.2 or 2.1, something like that. It is bad. It is bad. It's that bad. So. So when his brother Curtis Glenn arrived at St. Bernard, he saw that Wilson was laying in the bed. And while he said there was no blood on Wilson, it was later revealed that he suffered from internal hemorrhage. I think I said that right. Oh, yeah, that's all right. That sounds terrible. Hemorrhaging. 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 Look, this has been a long day for me. Hemorrhage. Hemorrhage. But as Curtis Glenn sat there, he said he saw his feet get whiter and whiter, and he, Curtis knew that Ben wasn't getting any blood to his feet, and all he could say was, hang on, Ben, hang on. But think about this. After two hours of being shot, Wilson was still waiting to be intended to surgery. That's crazy. Two fucking hours. That is crazy. The sur- when the surgery was finished and Wilson was stabilized, and the atmosphere was at the time was Wilson. Although there was a chance he may never play again because he lost a lot of blood, he was going to recover, and they made that very clear. But as late so afternoon, oh, this, sorry, Michael. So this timeline, if 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 you're looking at this timeline of Ben Wilson and everything that went down, he goes from 
starting out like, man, we're about to open up the season tonight, our championship season, mm-hmm. to he may never walk again. Yeah. You know, let alone play basketball again. To, you know what I'm saying, just the, 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 the severity of the situation. And it's all really based on a couple of things, a couple of key points. One of them being that um, this hospital was very slow to help him and mm-hmm. to work on him and to operate on him. And when the guy did and when the, the surgeon did operate on him, it was, it was an Asian guy. When he did operate on him, I mean, like I said, it, it was it was almost too late, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially for as long as they waited. I mean, if he got there, if they took him to a hospital at the time, that maybe it was the city law that was out of whack too, because yeah. they went to the nearest hospital, which was still kind of far away. Mm-hmm. The hospital didn't have surgeons at the time or a trauma unit. The surgeons took their sweet time to get there, and like you were saying, I don't know. I don't know how long I could hold on mm-hmm. using that much blood. Yeah. I mean, it was, and and not to mind that who knows how long he was waiting just for the ambulance to come because it, it was mentioned that it, he waited a while. So this was just, you know, who knows what could have happened had the proper, uh, had he received proper and adequate care in such a timely manner. I mean, it's. And they probably thought too, oh, it's another gun shooting. We'll mm-hmm. get there eventually. And- exactly. Everybody else, this was someone's life on the line. Yeah. So, as late afternoon turned into night, however, things took a turn for the worse, as there was complications from the surgery. And as Mike alluded to, it went from Wilson being stabilized and projected to make a recovery, to now this is suddenly becoming a touch and go. And there was a really astonishing note to make, uh, as I saw, uh, I was doing the research. And as Samson was asking um, Wilson's mother, Mary who was a registered nurse. How was Benji? Is she going to make it? And Wilson's mother bluntly told him, son, I've seen many cases like this. His brain isn't getting enough oxygen, and I know he's not going to make it. And she goes to say if Benji had survived, he would live the rest of his life as a vegetable. So on 5 a.m. on the morning of November 21st, 1984, the day Benjamin Wilson was supposed to have start his senior season, as the nation's top high school basketball player, his mother asked doctors to pull the plug, and shortly thereafter, he was pronounced dead only at the age of 17. So as this whole scene was unfolding, it was just looking at the the, the videos and the, and, uh, and the archives of it, it was just really, if I can describe just a couple words, it was just satin pandemonium. I think that's the best way to describe it. Like news cameras were there to document the scene. And ev- evidently because of Wilson's status, uh, this was nationwide news. I mean, millions of Americans saw on their TVs the image of family, friends, supporters at St. Bernard Hospital with Simeon just shown un- uncontrollably crying, shaking, just losing their bits. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And that's that's crazy too, especially too because they expected to have another winning season. Mm-hmm. And no mother should ever lose their their child. Mm-hmm. No parent should. Mm-hmm. And as the doctors at this time were trying to save Benji's life, police were trying to look for who, who were the ones that did it, and they picked up sixteen-year-old William Moore and fifteen-year-old Omar Dixon. Which, mind you, if why the fuck do these kids kids have a gun? Mm-hmm. 
And before that, Wilson's classmate, Erica Murphy, returned to her home after finding Billy Moore sitting in her living room watching television. It was through this that he discovered who had, who he had shot. Moore remained there until the police became or came and they were pounding on Murphy's door looking for him. Dixon's arrest followed and with charges they were upgraded murder sort of step present oop I just lost my thing. Hold on a second. You're good. So it was upgraded to murder once word of Wilson's death had reached the police. So the police have presented both suspects with a case theory that after Moore's conflict with Wilson, Dixon tried to pick Wilson's pockets and then urged Moore to shoot Wilson. Both young men signed confessions to that effect. And that was later recounted, which we will get, especially with uh, in the case of Bill Moore. But despite being underage at the time, the Cook County District's Attorney's Office elected to try both men as adults. So to kind of like reiterate what the police count had said, Moore and Dixon collided to collided with Wilson on the street while he was talking to uh, Jaton Rush. And this started an altercation. Shortly afterwards, a report reported that two men, the two teens, tried to rob Wilson who fought off the attack which provoked the teen to shoot Wilson and flee. And this would be the prevailing narrative as reported in local and national news. And Wilson encountered two teens with suspected gang ties, shot and killed in a senseless manner. But I think one of the most uh, astonishing, I think I should use the word, but it really is. It got to go back to that. Just the astonishing uh, happenings of doing this research is... The response of Mary Wilson, not even six hours after her son's death, she addressed the shock Simeon student body in an impromptu memorial service. And again, to watch this read this video, you really have to like point out just how stoic and strong she is talking to the students who are shown and they can you can hear them like literally sobbing and screaming. It's, you know, it's just very unnerving. But as he said, you know, he demonstrated in his short life of 17 years, dignity and self-respect. So that's the way I want to remember him today as a young man who set his goals high and he achieved that goal. And I'm proud of him as he lay. And immediately following the memorial service, the Simeon Deathball team had to play their season opener against Evanston. The same team they beat in state finals just, just months earlier. Uh-huh. And I'm sure you guys can imagine that only a mere 12 hours after losing the heart and soul of your team forever, all of a sudden, and then having to play basketball in the same time frame. But the mentality of the whole whole team was they, they had to play in honor of their fallen comrade. And it's what Benji would have wanted. And not only would they play, but they would easily dispatch their opponents in a rematch of the state final. On November 23rd, Benji's body was viewed in an open casket ceremony at Simeon by thousands of people. Mm. Among them was Jesse Jackson, and he stated, You wanted to voice Mike? What? I I was going to ask Mike if he wanted to do the, uh, wanted to do his his voice. I know we still got (laughs) Mike. Jesse Jackson voice? Well, it's much of the same of the of the African-American preacher voice. I'm looking forward to for one day, Benji's on TV and doing these huge dunks and 
He said, I'm looking at him another day and he's lying in the casket in his uniform. It hurts to this day. Okay, Martin Luther King. <laughs> but anyway, the funeral held the following day at Jackson's Operation Push headquarters was attended by reportedly over 10,000 people, which is just an, an amazing number. Uh, Jackson spoke, as did Mayor Washington in R. Kelly's song, A Musical Selection. And for those days, it appeared that Chicago, the second city, just really grinded to a halt. Just a testament to the star and potential that was Ben Wilson. And at their trial, hmm? this was before MJ, before yeah. Michael Jordan, before Walter Payton. No, Walter Payton was still, he was, he was in, he was still in his prime as has happened. So like, you know, Walter well, Payton was a made, made man, but so was, again, so was Ben Wilson. I mean, obviously we have 10,000 people. Yes. Yes. So okay, sorry, I had I lost us. You did. You got it. Yep, found it. Okay, uh, you go, you go. All right. So at the trial, the prosecutors presented the same case theory to the jury when the trial began the following year. Jaton Rush was the prosecution's lead witness and testified to that same effect. And Warren Dixon's attorney chose to present Wilson's celebrity as the main reason for the charges against the two teenagers. Both Moore and Dixon were eventually convicted on charges of murder and attempted armed robbery. And per the recommendations of the prosecuting attorneys, they both both received significant prison sentences. Moore received a 40-year sentence, while Dixon received a 30-year sentence. Moore, uh, Moore was given the, uh, the bigger sentence because he uh, was the one who fired the fatal shots. And as um, you guys had alluded just a few minutes earlier about the uh, actions of the, the city policy that dictated that um, you had to go to the nearest hospital and the waiting of St. Bernard and all that stuff. The Wilson family would eventually file a lawsuit against St. Bernard Hospital for inappropriate delay of medical care. And that case would be settled in 1992 for an undisclosed amount. And following the murder, city policy would be changed so that in the event of a gunshot wound or any similar injury, the ambulance would be mandated to take the patient to the nearest fully equipped trauma staff. And who knows how many lives that that policy, that change policy has saved in the three decades since yeah. this, this this murder happened. That's crazy. Uh -huh. But like you were saying with them getting 20 and 30 years, uh -huh. Dixon was released on parole in 2000. And more shortly after in 2005, Dixon would later go back to jail for a completely unrelated sentence for armed robbery. But Moore was actually interviewed by ESPN for their 2012 documentary on the life and death of Ben Wilson. And for the first time ever, Moore would offer his account on what happened that fateful day. Mm -hmm. And we should do a quick background on Dixon, but more specifically Moore. Dixon came from a respected family. His mother was a singer, and his grandfather, Willie Dixon, was a pioneer in blues music. And Moore grew up on a soft-spoken teen in the Southside neighborhood. He was a baseball star for the Foster Park Youth Leagues. But after Moore's father died of cancer, he eventually fell into a bad crowd, being associated with gang members and mostly of the gangster disciples in his neighborhood. 
And it wasn't only four months after his father died that Billy Moore was outside Simeon's campus on that November day in 1984 with a .22 caliber revolver looking to avenge his cousin who had allegedly been robbed $10 by a Simeon student. After finding out the conflict had been resolved, Moore and his friend Omar Dixon decided to stay nearby and eventually the two followed Moore's friend Erica Murphy to a nearby uh, restaurant located on South Vincennes Avenue just up the street from Simeon. Billy Moore. Couple things right there. Okay. Um, Billy Moore and uh, and Omar Dixon. Um, actually, neither, neither one, neither one of them attended Simeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they, <laughs> they 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 had actually skipped their school and went uh, and, and went over to Simeon and they bumped into Erica and they were getting ready to go to Erica's house to go smoke weed mm. and, uh, and 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 relax on lunch break. And that's when they ran into Benji. Mm-hmm. And Erica's trying to tell them to come on. And oh, sorry, I'm I'm, I'm speeding up the story. Never mind. Go oh back. no, no, no. But but it all ties in because as you said that while this was happening, um, they were about to go, you know, do their thing when Wilson and Rush came up the street behind them, and Rush was trying to break away from Wilson, who in his desperation to speak to her. Uh, failed to pay attention to where he was going and bumped into Moore. Uh, as as he said, as Moore said, I was shoved out of the way and it was with a lot of force. And Moore called to Wilson to watch where he was going, which only served to make the already upset basketball store star even more angry as he turned back and approached Moore, saying, "Man, fuck you! I don't know you, no excuse. Who is you?" The two exchanged words and expletives before Moore revealed the pistol he had been carrying, a 22 caliber revolver. Seeing Moore's pistol, Moore said Wilson taunted him and dared him to shoot. Moore later said he felt the march, much larger Wilson was just punking him and drew his weapon. Wilson then lunged at Moore, according to Moore, who responded by firing two shots at him. The first struck Wilson in his groin, while the second struck him in his abdomen and caused significant internal bleeding. Moore and Dixon then fled, and when they were picked up by police, they were informed that Wilson had died. As Moore said, when they broke in and they said that brother had died, it was the worst feeling of my life. And I couldn't come into terms that I was responsible for the fact that a human being was dead. Yet he got heard over a couple words and shot somebody. I think it's, it's one of those things that, uh, as Charlemagne, the guy says that temporary feelings can cause permanent uh, choices. And it was just one of those things that that... beat his ass! Mm-hmm. He's yeah! He fucking kill somebody. Exactly. So, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care if he was a drug dealer. If, 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 you, if you look at Dixon and you look at... Uh, What's the other guy's name? Uh, Bill Moore. Moore. Billy Moore. Dixon and Moore. Neither one of them was going to beat up six, seven, two hundred and and fifty pound Ben Ben Wilson. They weren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, he he, why are he, you he definitely could have easily handled both of them. Mm-hmm. So why are they bothering to get in a fight with someone who they don't know, who really doesn't owe them anything except their kid running away? Why is somebody getting so upset and feeling that? Shooting someone is going to resolve an issue when they could have just not said anything. Mm-hmm. I was scared. Side note, side note, side note, another one. Yeah. My father 
grew, grew up and was a, a football player at King High School. My father knew of Ben Wilson, and uh, and uh, obviously King, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. High School and Simeon High School had one of the craziest rivalries uh, uh, in Chicago at that time, and they were always feuding back and forth between the two. It was them, it was Farragut, it was other schools and stuff like that. So, uh, But my father said that Ben Wilson was a very cocky, arrogant guy. He came out very cocky and arrogant. And, 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 you can, and you can imagine that, you know. Um, actually, Bird laughed when I first told him that because my father was like, because the way my father said he's he's like, he's like, man, all the women crying and hollering over Ben Wilson. That's probably all screwing him. And that's probably why they was crying about it. But if 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 you hear, if you hear the accounts of Ben's friends and 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 of people that knew of Ben Wilson, Ben Wilson was a ladies' man. Ben Wilson was cocky, and Ben and Ben Wilson carried himself as such, like he knew he was the shit. Mm-hmm. And so and so, what the what what happens is he had an attitude issue, mm-hmm. and because remember in the documentary, Bird. He hit one of his teachers. Right. Remember? Yeah. This it led up. It led to. It, it was actually in that 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 same time frame as the uh, shooting happened. Exactly yep. right. And, oh wow! But to that end, uh, Curtis Glenn was interviewed at the end, and he said, "You know, that was the environment that they grew up." And he was like, "You know, hindsight." That said, hindsight twenty twenty. You know, he wished he could have been a better guiding force for Benji. So so for like situations like that to happen. He could have handled himself, you know, better. But that said, even you know the uh, perceived attitudes or whatnot, nobody deserves to, you know, go out in that kind of way. It could be escalated in the span of minutes where you have an altercation like that, and then you get shot two times, and then you eventually die. So, I mean, that said, one of the big themes in this episode, as we've been talking about, is the impact of gun violence in Chicago. And as the 80s were going into the 90s, the city would see some of its bloodiest years on record as the crack epidemic would generate into gang violence. Ben Wilson would be one of the 748 murders in the city in 1984. In 1992, the year that all three of us were born, and crying crazy, we were all born in the span of like within two weeks of each other. Me and Michael yeah. born on the same day, and Cam's got 10, 11 days on us, but in night... Yes, bitches! The year of the... Uh, is it the year? Cam, that, that, just, that just means that you're closer to getting into a walker than me and Bert. Mm-hmm. We got, we got seen nah, that... I'm never going. We got seen that AARP card, but in 1992, <laughs> get this, Chicago had 943 murders. 943, the most in the city's history. And as the decades wore on, the murder rate has calmed down a little bit, but spiked in the last few years especially. In 2016, 762 people were killed. Last year, 650 killed. And as of this recording right now, 402 homicides have been reported in 2018. And as we alluded to early in the early bit of the show, on the south side, and we really didn't say a lot on the west side as well. And there's a lot of factors that's led to to why there has been, you know, all this shit that's going on. And you know, that's another episode for another day. But um, I really want to try to have my little personal testimony in a, 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 a of sorts, like 
for a long time, for example, I've lived down the street from a gang war, an absolute gang war between GDs and BDs. And I have in my lifetime seen two people murdered with my own eyes. I have heard countless gunshots at night. I've been in areas where right when I leave, there will be an incident that I could have been at the wrong place at the wrong time. And I'll be a statistic on the news. And I never forget. This was, I want to say, this was spring break, three, four, five, four or five years ago. And it's like 11 at night. And I didn't eat all day. And I was like, oh, man, I'm hungry. I'm going to go to the store. And then my mom, I guess she had a mother's intuition. She's like, uh, why don't you just stay on back, Alex? And I was like, are you sure? And um, I didn't. You know, I, I, I took her advice. And next thing I know, I woke up in the morning at the same place where I was going to go. The, the news reported that two people had got shot. And I mean, it just shows you what, you know, what we're dealing with. As we're saying right now, um, we kind of lost these guys. Uh, connection is what happens, uh, Illinois. Um, but in, we'll get, we're going to get back to Cam and Mike pretty soon. But um, it's just, it's, how can I, how can I put it? I believe to some degree that lies in the mind of every person who lives in the South or West sides that when they go out, when they do anything of that sort, there is a feeling that, um, you know, they go out, there might be a chance that they might not come back and, uh, finally got these guys back on connection. Now I have to have to carry through. I have to carry through. Like I was like, Oh my God, this happened while I'm recording. So like, you know, I was just telling you guys of my personal testimony of, you know, almost being, you know, at, at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, there are times of this is the environment that in a way has not really changed much in 1984 when Ben Wilson died. But while we have talked about all this gloom and doom, let's try to end this show on a positive note of sorts in the you take this one away, Cam. Hell yeah. So, ending on a positive note, um, after Wilson's death, his number 25, the jersey was retired by the uh, Simeon Wolverines basketball. Soon thereafter, there would be a tradition that the best player on the team would wear number 25, and that would honor the legacy of Wilson. We enter 2016 when Simeon would actually be led once again in the form of another Southside basketball prodigy. And as many of us know, his name is Derrick Rose. The Rose. And he led the Wolverines to their first state title that year since 1984, Wilson's final game. And in Rose's own son, there was a lot of comparisons to Wilson, who Rose regarded as an idol. Mm-hmm. Happily, Rose went on to the NBA and became number one pick and star for the hometown Chicago Bulls. He won Rookie of the Year in 2009 and then MVP in 2011, all while becoming a global phenomenon. Sidebar, and- sidebar, sidebar. Uh, Derrick Rose, his senior year in high school, played against my uh, my high school, uh, Bronzeville. And I remember when uh, and it was like, oh, man, Simeon is coming like... All of us 
were like, oh man, we gotta go there. Like, there was a huge crowd. It was like, man, Derrick Rose and this. And we ended up losing about 50 points. But it was like, hey, Derrick Rose. <laughs> it's, it's so like. It's all right. Yeah, like that, it, it really had, um, as Scoop Jackson has said about Benji Wilson, that atmosphere when he played and like everybody has to come out and see it, it reverberated in the form of Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. It's a good feeling when somebody like that can bring an entire community together. It's a phenomenal feeling. Mm-hmm. And Rose would eventually go to the New York with Knicks. Mm-hmm. And when there, he chose to wear number 25 as his jersey. Another Simeon prodigy, Jabari Parker, led Simeon uh, to three straight state titles. And he honored Wilson in his own way by debuting a show or a show, oh my gosh. Oh boy. A shoe <laughs> that showed the fallen Simeon great with his name and number. And as we close this podcast, the legend of Ben Wilson has really reached a near folklore history. Or, oh my God, I can't read. You can't. A folklore hero <laughs> status. <laughs> the prevailing legacy he made is in the unrealized uh, potential is probably hard to compare with anyone of his generation. That said, the aura, life, and death of Ben Wilson has led many before during these last three decades to really wonder, really, really, really wonder what he could have been. And uh, that, folks, is the story of Ben Wilson. And uh, Mike, uh, our, our special guest host, um, do you have any final thoughts? Um, obviously, when you're talking Chicago basketball, um, Ben Wilson is one of the first names you have got to mention. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm super excited that Dwayne Wade and Chance the Rapper are getting together. And they're doing a Chicago documentary on Chicago basketball. And of course, Derrick Rose is going to be highlighted. Ben Wilson is going to be highlighted. Uh, some of the other guys are going to be highlighted in Chicago basketball, including Dwayne Wade, even though he's from not from actual Chicago, Robins. but from Robins. But, you know, we're going to talk about it anyways. But, yeah, um, Ben Wilson, a, a, a lot of things change in Chicago because of Ben Wilson's death, mm-hmm. you know. Um, if, if we, like I said, when, when, you, when you go and look at um, the rating system and how how uh, high school Wilson too, um, obviously uh, the, 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 the the shoe deals and being able to say in the court of law that had Ben Wilson been alive, um, had Ben Wilson been alive, his family or he would have been worth this amount of money. And being able to back that up with the ranking system allowed his family to be able to get paid the money they got paid um, in his court case. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, uh, Ben Wilson um, changed the game uh, as far as basketball goes. I mean, he was he was one of those. If, if you if you're looking at um, somebody that's six seven six eight that can handle the rock, got a nice dribble. Before that was Kevin Durant. Before that was Kevin Garnett. That was Ben Wilson. He mm-hmm. was doing it. so. I mean, obviously, you got to pay respects in that attribute. He got a jump shot out of this world, and he was able to handle the rock and pass with the best of them. And mm-hmm. he just had a love for the game that you see in Chicago so often. So um, those are the things that I think about when I think about Ben Wilson. I think about how he brought, you know what I'm saying, everybody together. And, I mean, unfortunately, his death brought everybody together as well. Um, 
I didn't like how um, the cops back then kind of uh, uh, forced those two young men to admit some stuff that they didn't do, mm-hmm. and they kind of wrote the narrative. Especially underage. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 um they 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 basically bullied them and wrote the narrative of Ben Wilson being um um this goody two shoes, which I mean, like I said, like I told you guys before. Multiple accounts I've heard on Bill Wilson's life, and I remember Bill Wilson or his family, but multiple people that I know have known him or known of him have all said that he was a cocky person and he didn't have the greatest attitude at times, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and that's not me speaking ill of the dead, but that's just me, you know what I'm saying? It's just shooting it straightforward with you guys. Right. Uh, like I said, while, while, while we do want to give accolades and respect where respect is due, we also have to understand that, you know, it takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. And in every situation, you have the choice to walk away, right. or you have the choice to stand there and fight. Or and like I said, Ben, ben Wilson wanted to fight. He was upset because he was fighting with Jatana already earlier that day, and she and she didn't want him to walk or walk her to the bus stop. And she was upset with him, and Ben wanted to walk her to the bus stop. And the situation happened, and he ran into these guys. And like I said, he he thought he could just muscle his way through. Mm-hmm. And just say, well, you know, I'm Ben Wilson, so you know, what I'm saying I, I can do whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one the, the one that actually shot him didn't even know he was, right? You know, so mm-hmm. uh, like I said, just 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 thinking about that from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. And one of the takeaways the standpoint of the case. Oh, yeah, you gotta go, go first. Oh, and and one of the takeaways I really got when, go, when yeah, we, I'm sorry. yeah, you're all good. But one of the takeaways when 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 we first watched that thirty for thirty together. And just to see um, uh, Billy Moore, the guy who fired those shots, just you, you can see the the uh, regret on his face. And um, as he described how it happened in the aftermath and what he's trying to do now, you know, he's he for to his credit, he's really tried to turn another page in his life. He's trying to he's working for at risk youth. I uh, forgot what the, the program that he's doing. But I don't know if he's still doing it now, but at that time, at the time of the documentary, you know, he's really trying to to, uh, you know, teach kids not to make the choices that he did. So, you know, he's really trying to, you know, and I mean, it, some things can never be forgiven. And I mean, he did take another man's life. I mean, there's no way to to uh, to cherry pick that or try to, you know, bounce around it. But. Or unlike many murderers that we have covered so far, you see some you see some remorse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was one of the biggest takeaways I can see. Uh, Cam, you you got any? I mean, I really haven't been able to watch the thirty for thirty. And, and it's very hard. Yeah, out. and and it's very hard. My bad to cut but you off. It's very hard to find. Coming from. Being a tall, cocky, arrogant athlete that will fight fucking anybody. Oh, yeah. I would never want someone to try and defend themselves with a gun. I would expect a rock or stab me or something. Um, But that's just simply because I'm a very arrogant person. I feel like I can fight off anybody when I I probably can't. But Especially when you get that alcohol on you. Um, So I can see people taking it very wrong and I'm a very genuine person at the same time but I have this persona that might be kind of dickish <laughs> I'll, I'll, drink, I'll drink to that 
So, um, I don't ever, I would never want to be in that situation. Um, but I am a very, I, I see where people are coming from saying he was arrogant and cocky. Um, I was very good at my sports and I took full advantage of that. So, um, yeah, don't, if you're good at your sports, keep, keep focused on them because you're going to fuck up if, mm-hmm. if you get a big head. Yeah, and I think uh, in closing, I can say my little two cents. Um, like we said, or like I said earlier, you know, this is a case where temporary feelings can lead to very, to, to permanent consequences. And you know, this is a guy who didn't know who Ben Wilson was, and he was there. He was there to uh, for the purpose of you know confronting another Simeon student. And, you know, when he was going on his merrily way, he crossed paths uh, with this guy and like his life, you know, changes forever. So, I mean, it really just especially in that environment of Chicago and how it's a microcosm and just in the blink of an eye, you could be at the wrong place at the wrong time. You could be an innocent bystander. You can, you know, be any of these functions and in the blink of an eye can be gone just like that. And, you know, it's just... It, it really, you know, what 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 could have been with Ben Ben Wilson, you know? It's it's very important to to teach people to sit on your emotions, to exactly. Give it a day, to give it a couple hours, to give it minutes, because in the heat of the moment, you make stupid decisions, mm-hmm. and that's not something who you are as a person. But at that time, it will reveal you as that type of person, and yeah. so I've always been taught to sit on it, think about it, come back to it in a day. And that's something I feel like a lot of people should take into consideration rather than jump into any, any threatening conclusions, but mm-hmm. that's just, I agree on that. Yeah. And, and on that note, guys, man, we've, we're, we're approaching one hour. I think this is probably, if not the longest that we've done, I wasn't going to be surprised. It's an hour. And uh, actually, we're going to have to, I don't know if we're going to do it tonight or tomorrow. We're going to be doing a special mini sold uh, on an update. We're going to do it tomorrow. We're going to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Early. Early. Well, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. We're going to do this. Let me me do my run. And then after that, we can do it. Oh, definitely. And guys, well, um, to that end, um, earlier uh, week, I want to say last month. Um, we profiled the case of uh, Michael Kozaki. He was the Joliet teacher who had, uh, over a course of a weekend, he beat his wife to death. I mean, there's no, you know, this is what actually happened. And we had uh, been contacted by an acquaintance of uh, Michael and, and Rebecca Kozaki, who uh, gave us some really, you know, uh, really blunt details of you know of that environment in the last few years of that marriage and just just really you know had a really good conversation with this person and i think it's it's a lot of information that really lends credence to really do a mini sold and really update this as you know his trial uh, proceedings is going to be coming up in the uh near future so guys be on the lookout for that um Again, wow! They, we're we are officially at an hour right now. Um, Mike, Ooh, again. Thank- before we go, oh. I do have a couple things I want to say. Yeah. Um, 
Mike, I love that you're on here with us. I had a blast. I had a Please come blast. back. Please come back, man. I want you Agreed. to, yeah, you'll have to come back. I want you to give your social media shit, but let me finish talking, then you can do it, because I totally don't want to be that person. Be that but, person. um, I'm super excited for this mini-sode, just because it, I love people reaching out to us. Yeah. We get more information and we get to see the other point of views. Like, I love that you're on here, Mike, because I got to know things about the side that I've never known about or even basketball. I suck at fucking basketball. Yes, I really do. Well, I'm a soccer know player. But, but I know basketball's always been, been a sport throughout, you know, Chicago, the suburbs and everything. It's, it's always been near and dear to a lot of people. And I love uh-huh. hearing really where it, it comes from and where it stems from. And it's, it's cool. It's cool getting our eyes open and getting cool facts. So I'm excited for this mini sub. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mike, uh, you want to uh, give the good folks your uh, social media credentials? Um, you guys can obviously find me um, on Facebook at Mike Jones. Also be able to check out my podcast, uh, the Jed and Mike show. We do it. Uh, we do it. How we do it. You know, which I've been um, a guest of. So you said, Not <laughs> well, you know, like I said, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that up to the fans, but make sure you guys go look and check us out on Facebook, the Jet and Mike show. Uh, that's J E T and Mike show. And uh, make sure that you guys give us a like and a subscribe over there on that page. I much appreciate that. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at meter Mike. Oh, one. Once again, that's Meter Mike. M E T E R Mike zero zero one. You guys can check me out over there too. I'm always talking trash. Usually subtweeting Bird and maybe Cam sometimes as well. Um, I liked it when you were the intern, dude. Fuck Meter Mike. I, it was time for a new chapter, Bird. You gotta move on. Yeah. The only reason why I think your podcast would be pretty fucking awesome, Mike, is you have a very, very seductive voice. Oh, and stop it. It's very smooth. You know what? Killing all with Bird and Mike from now on. on Cam, the next time you come up here to Springfield, I'm going to have to have you on the show with us. Okay. Hey, aren't the both of you guys in a relationship? Be like, <laughs> you know, like shag room with like cigars, <laughs> like with one light hanging out and be like, oh, welcome back to 12 o'clock at night. I'm well, Mike. We well, we do got the couches up in there, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And, yeah. And, 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 and they, they they don't call Justin Jet for nothing. They love to fly high. So, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, they. Miss like you with the shenanigans. It'd be a good time. We'd love to have you. I'm stoked. <laughs> Bird, Bird, is, Bird, has, Bird has been on, on, on the Jet and Mike show before, and he's guest hosted a, a bunch of times. So, it's, it's, it's always good vibes in a fun environment. Yay! Check it out, guys. It's a good time. Yes. Uh, and, and Cammy, Cammy B, your uh, social media. As usual, guys, you can find me on Facebook under Cam E. Wren. Um, you'll find it. If you can't, then I'm sorry. Um, I like <laughs> to hide my shit on Facebook, so go to my Instagram. I am Instacam630. Um, I'm, I'm a good time. Um, my, my my Twitter is I like stuff 630 um, I definitely talk a lot of shit to Bird, and Mike and I sometimes team up and talk shit about Bird. That's not so. fun. You should help us team up and talk shit about birds. Hey, I don't advocate this shit. I'm not even gonna. Even, I'm not even gonna give up my Twitter, but I will give up my. T- <laughs> I will give up my IG. You can find me on Bird Your Enthusiasm. 
at Bird underscore your underscore enthusiasm. And you can find me on Facebook, Birdman Iceberg. Oh, fuck it. I might as well put my Twitter out there. You can find me on Birdman for America. Uh, come come, come with smoke at your own risk. That's all I'm going to say. And um, at that, on that note, guys, again, thank you so much. Thank you, Mike, for coming through, especially on such short notice. I'd love to have you on here again. And, guys, we got the mini soul coming for you. And we're going to be coming at your asses again with episode 13. Down the road. I don't know when it's going to happen. 13. Lucky 13. We should probably do it on a Friday, but I don't think it's a Friday. The 13th coming on yet. No, it'd be a while. But, uh, guys, yeah. (laughs) Be there. Be there. Or be killed. Be killed, bitches. Toos. Woo.